Have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we come to you now and we proclaim that you are able. We love you, we praise you, and what an opportunity we have tonight to be here together with your people in this place built to worship you and to proclaim loudly Jesus is Lord and to give you glory, to give you honor, and to call out upon you for help and to see you satisfy and supply every need that we have. God, may we place our trust in you for one reason. You are a trustworthy, good Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. My name is Pastor Daniel, and it is a privilege to be able to share with you at this point a message from God's Scripture. We've been going verse by verse through a letter in the New Testament called Philippians. Philippians was a letter written by a real man to real people, living in a real life, struggling through real circumstances. It's not a a book of poetry, a book of something to make us feel good about ourselves, but it is a letter that was written to show us how Christ is sufficient. The whole theme of the book and the theme of our sermon series has been God always finishes what he starts. And we get that from the sixth verse of this letter. We memorized it on our first mission trip to Vermont as a church. We took our first mission trip and we memorized this scripture and it said, I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will thoroughly complete it by the day of King Jesus. I love how it points to the fact that God's going to do something great through you, not because you're such a great person, but because God's working in you, and he's such a great God. That's a vital shift that we need to have in our lives for us to understand the beauty and the power of who God is. Let me give you a brief recap of this entire letter before we have our season finale tonight, or our series finale. I want to give you some highlights that we had. The first thing was, God always finishes what he starts. Then we also heard this truth that we're to hold fast to our confession. We're going to go through tough times, and so to hold fast to the confession that we have in Jesus. We saw in the second chapter that Jesus, being worthy of being king, abandoned his rights. He forsook them. He gave them up for the sake of others. And so we see that because of what he has done, we now can live the same way, where we abandon our rights for the good of others. We see that while God always finishes what he starts, it doesn't remove us from responsibility. We see that God uses us to continue and to work through us to finish what he started. We've seen that Christ is the only means by which we can become saved or be right with God. It's not our good works that we bring to him, but it's the, the simple fact that God is good and provided a way for us through Jesus. We see that this Jesus, this Messiah, is the treasure of all treasures. If there's anything in this life you should be treasuring, it's him because he is everything. We saw that we are to be citizens of heaven. And that doesn't mean that we're to sit back and yearn one day to go to heaven but it means to we're to live as a colony of heaven and to seek God's kingdom and his will to be done here on earth now as it is in heaven. And we get empowered to do that by focusing on the what? The finish line. The other pastor nailed it. We focus on the finish line, and that finish line is the resurrection life. We're empowered now by cause, because of the future that God has secured for us. We saw there were these two leaders in the church, and they were bickering and arguing. And we saw that Paul's solution was for them to rejoice in the Lord together. 
And then he said it again. Again, I say rejoice. Because when we're celebrating the Lord together, those things that usually cause division, they're put in their proper space. And they're usually outside the church. And we have unity when we celebrate the Lord together. And then last week we saw the secret of contentment. The one secret you should always be sharing. And that secret of contentment is the fact that we can endure, we can endure any season that we go through because of God's power working within us. That's what it means when he says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It doesn't mean we're going to win the game. It just tells us that whether we win or lose, we can endure whatever season because Jesus has already won. Amen? So we're at the very end of this letter. It's a little bittersweet for me because for the past few weeks, Larry and I have known exactly what we were going to preach because we were going through the letter. And next week, we're starting a new series on Love Loud, which I'm excited about uh, because we're going to see how we as a church can love loud here the way Jesus did. But today's finale is this. God will provide for all, all of our needs when we trust in Him. When we trust in Him, He will provide for all of our needs. This September, we will have our second anniversary for Connection Church. Anybody excited about that? September 6th and 7th, we'll have a vision weekend. That is a Saturday and a Sunday. We'll have a big celebration here uh, Sunday that night at at 5 p.m. to uh, just celebrate two years of ministry here. I still remember when we first moved here, my family and I came here in August of 11, and it was so scary. I felt like I moved my family to the hood in, our, in the house that we were in. I, you know, I envisioned drug deals and murders going on in that street, and I was just so scared. I thought I'd really messed up my family, and uh, we, uh, we just saw God move in miraculous ways, providing for us financially, specifically, because it's expensive to live here, right? And then in November, we saw the same thing happen for Larry and Lindsay and their family, and how God miraculously provided for us. And it showed us very clearly that that God was going to provide for us, if our hearts were pure and we were doing what God was starting within us, that God was going to keep providing for us. And it doesn't mean that we were outside the uh, possibility of stressing out. That happened a few times. There were some close calls, but every time we knelt down and we called upon God, He provided. I wish I would remember that more often and just keep kneeling before Him and calling on Him instead of only when I know for a fact I need Him. Paul is the author of this letter. He's imprisoned for preaching the gospel. He went to Philippi, which is in northern Greece, and that's the audience that he's writing this letter to. He went there sometime before, started a church, and he had left from there to go take this gospel message that they had adopted for themselves to other places in in Europe, and he's spreading it around. And this church started to give financially. They started to help him. From the beginning, they were helping him. They were supporting him, and they were there when no one else was. So look with me as we close out the letter here in chapter 4, verse 14 and following. Paul says, Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. 
Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I I seek the fruit or the credit or the profit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gift you sent. Epaphroditus was the messenger the church sent the gift with. The gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to His riches in glory in Christ Jesus. He said, guys, you are the only one who was there. You were the only one. No one else was there supporting. You were the only one that partnered with me in this way to see this gospel expand to Europe. The word partnership here is specifically referring to resources. It's a business partnership where they work together, they share resources, and they give in order to see this mission accomplished. It's not like getting on Facebook and saying, hey, you know what, I'm proud of what you're doing. Keep it up. It's not about sending a, a letter or, or just doing something nice. It's not about just saying easy, you know, or, or easy to say words like, thank you for what you're doing. I appreciate it. Or I'm thinking of you. Or even I'm praying for you. Those are easy words to say. But a true measure of your love and devotion is the sacrificial giving that you display. That's the true measure of your devotion to whatever it may be. And this giving is not an investment. We live in a consumeristic society. We consume way too much, me included. So when we give something, most of the time we're expecting something back. But that's not what this partnership was. This partnership with Philippi was we're going to give this to you, Paul, because we believe in what you're doing. Now go do what you want. Go do what God's calling you to do, which is what he wanted to do. Go do this. They expected nothing in return. And this is something that we should strive for as well. Paul was quick to remind them, you know, it's not the money. It's not the money that I am, am wanting from you. But God is well pleased in this, not because you're earning your way to heaven by giving these gifts, but because you're giving with such selfless faith that God loves it. He loves it because he can tell that you are grateful for his gospel because you are not consumed with the material things of this world. Unfortunately, a lot of people are consumed with the materialistic things of the world. And even in Paul's day, some people would take the gospel and use it to make money. He says in verse 17 here again, he says, Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. So he, he shifts from a, a physical thought to a spiritual thought. He's encouraging them to, to keep their faith and their trust in God. And by doing this, you're going to strengthen yourselves spiritually. You're, you're showing that your faith is not in the material things of the world. You're not hoarding things over here because doomsday is coming or tax season is coming. It's actually smart to save for taxes if you know you need to. But you know what I'm saying. You're not packing things up because you're fearful. What he's saying is you're giving because you have this great faith in God, because you know that God always finishes what he starts, and you know that God will supply your needs when you have them. In verse 18, I think it's on the screen here, it says, he said, I have received full payment and more. He was telling them the gift you sent was substantial, and I, I'm in good shape here. 
Thank you very much. I received good payment, full payment, and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. He was well supplied because God used them to supply him. And God has used some of you to keep us here in New York for two years. This is your first time here. We normally don't have a crowd this big, but we have a few groups that are visiting us from around the country that are on mission here to help us. They've been supporting me as a family, Larry as a family, Winter, and John. And because of people around, like the Church of Philippi, believing in what we're doing at Connection Church to see a church grow here, start here, and to multiply here, we're able to stay here. And so this is a real-life example of seeing people believe in something enough to give. Not expecting in return, but to fully give and say, yes, we believe that there is an opportunity in New York City like nowhere else in the world. The world has come here. There is a vision to see this church grow and grow and grow and reach people from all over the world and to see the good news of Jesus Christ to reach around this world. And there are people around this country that believe in that so much that they are paying my salary and Larry's salary and Winter's and John's. Isn't that amazing? Some of you are, you know, a lot of you are here, you know, yes, it is amazing. You can clap for yourself if you want. It's amazing. It is humbling to me. It was humbling to see how God got us here but it's even more humbling to see how he is sustaining us. I want to be like that. I want to start living, and I am starting to do that. I want to live sacrificially to where I looked at, you know, what, God, you have given to me. How can it be used to further your kingdom without expecting something in return from me? Paul faced prison where he was because he was preaching the gospel. Because of this good news that he was sharing then, and we share the same good news today. But here in New York, we don't face a prison sentence for preaching Jesus. In fact, we have an opportunity that I think Paul would be thrilled to have. To see the gospel go around the world from right here. The biggest issue the church faces in New York is not opposition from the outside. But our biggest opposition is a lack of trusting that God will finish what he started. Church, are we going to believe that God will finish what he started enough to say, God, use me however you see fit to see your kingdom advance around this world? This week, we had a, another mission team that was working with us. And so in the summertime, we spend time with them. We prayed with them in the morning several times. We prayed that God would give us a person of peace that morning. In the afternoon, we saw God give us those two people. In the morning, another day, we prayed that God would give us an opportunity to meet with someone who had been hurt by the church in the past. And that God would let us be the love and the grace of God to him. By 2.57 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, the olive branch was accepted. We are seeing God move when we call on Him and we trust on Him. So let's do it more. Let's actually believe that God will finish what He starts. Let's actually believe that He will supply for us when we are calling on Him. That just like Psalm 50 said, when we call on Him, He will deliver us. God wants to see people 
released from fear and have life in the gospel. And I want to be part of that. God's plan for this city and for this world, if we are willing to hitch our lives to it, is amazing. And He will do amazing things through us if we will simply hitch on to His power. So how do we trust God? Good question. I'm glad I asked. You ready? There's a couple of ways we can do that. Number one, everything that I have belongs to God. This is something, a place that we need to get to. To where we say, God, everything I have is yours. My money, my resources, my job, my marriage, my children. Every relationship that I had is to be, have is to be used for your glory. Because, God, it's only because of you that I have anything. Another way to do that is to say, God, everything I need must come from you and not from my good works. It's got to be God-centered. God, everything good and everything that I need must come from you. That's a humbling position to be, admitting that we need God's help. And that's not an excuse for laziness. In fact, it should cause us to work even harder because we realize that God is providing for us. But by trusting God, it was to give everything to Him. Look with me in chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. This was something we touched on two weeks ago. Paul said, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. God says, pray to me about everything. And we discussed that we should pray for more bigger things in our lives, but we should also pray for the little things. We should go to God in everything. Pray about how to spend money. How should I perform at my job? My attitude that I have. Pray about how to love my spouse. I've been married 14 years and I feel like I'm just now starting to figure that out. How do we honor these bodies that God has given us and that He indwells and we become the temple of God? How do we honor them? And God, how do we love our children? How do we love our neighbor as ourself? Everything. When God is the centerpiece of your whole life, then you're trusting Him. When you trust Him, He will provide all of your needs. You're also trusting God when you want above anything else for Him to get glory. I confessed privately to our staff a couple weeks ago that uh, someone was telling a story. I won't, I won't mention Sean's name. But someone anonymously was telling a story and they had brought up this fact that, that he had made a phone call, he was at this desperate spot, and Larry came to the rescue. And I was thinking, oh, that's, yeah, I remember that story, that was awesome. And he, and, he, and he went on with the story, and I was around expecting him you know, to mention my name, because I was kind of part of it too. And uh, I was thinking, he should, he's, he's going to mention my name too. And, and he didn't. You know, I was like, huh. Huh. I, why didn't he say something about me? So you know, it kind of stung, and I was like, I'm going to be holy about this and not let it bother me. So I stewed for about five good days. Had a burr. Like, Ugh. 
And then it hit me, day five or six, when I was praying one day. It's not about me getting glory. The whole part of moving to New York City had nothing to do with me receiving glory. And another step along this line is too, if Larry gets praised by someone because God used Larry, isn't that my glory too when God gets glory through him? Isn't it my glory when God gets glory through Angela or Winter or Joshua or Joel or whomever? Isn't it glory to me when my Father in heaven receives praises because one of his children came through? Hallelujah. It's got nothing to do with me. That was a humbling moment for me. And I had to keep it to myself for several months before I felt comfortable enough in the gospel to share it. But because of a couple weeks ago, we realized that because Jesus won, I am free to lose. Because Jesus is perfect, the gospel has given me freedom to show you that I am not. And I struggle with things. But Jesus is good. God is good. And his gospel brings freedom to us. And because of that, the only one to receive glory is God. Look with me in verse 20. Paul is closing out the letter and he says, To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. He says there is one God. There is one Creator. There is one who is worthy to be worshipped and praised. And many times we get confused and we think that that's supposed to be us. We want our credit because we did something good. But it says only God working through us that will allow anything good to come through us. And when that happens, the praise goes to Him. So we want to be recognized, right? Let's be honest. We want to be honored. We want to be accepted. We want to be loved. We want to be appreciated. Maybe even we want to be revered. Are those necessarily bad things? I don't think so. I don't think they're necessarily bad things, but I believe those desires can lead us to bad things because the gospel gives us those desires. We start seeking our identity outside of something or outside of the gospel in something else. And that's a bad thing. But see, want to be recognized? Well, we are recognized in the gospel because we see that we matter to God. That He gave His Son for us. So yeah, we are recognized because God has done this miraculous thing for us. You want to be honored? Check this out. The King of kings and the Lord of lords abandoned His rights for you. How's that for honor? You want to have meaning in your life? How about realizing that God wants to use you to finish what He started? That's significant meaning. You want to feel appreciated? How about bringing a pleasing offering to God with thanksgiving? And that pleasing offering being your entire trust and faith. You want to be accepted? The gospel brings that. It says, because of Jesus, we are even inheritors of the kingdom of God. I'm pretty sure if you inherit something, you're accepted. You want to be loved? Guess what? The gospel gives us that. No strings attached. This is what Jesus has done for you. While we were still sinners, Christ died for you. Because of what Jesus has done, you are loved. You want reconciliation with others because you're not getting along with them? Guess what? The gospel brings that. When we celebrate the Lord together, we learned all these things in Philippians. When we celebrate the Lord together, 
we have reconciliation. But we've got to get God at the center of our life. All of those desires are met in their entirety in the gospel. God has designed us to be full of accepting, being accepted and loved and cherished and revered because God has created us for specific purposes to glorify Him. And when our faith and our trust is in Jesus, He will, he will supply all of our needs. This is how He finishes up the letter in verses 21 through 23. He says, Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. And then he said this, The grace of the Lord Jesus be with your spirit. Look at the posture that Paul has set before them to have with one another. This love posture that's grace-based. It's not, I give you this, you give me that. But it's grace. It's freely given. It's freely given love from God Himself. And He tells them to greet each other in the Lord and to let this grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. You ever had anxiety in your life? Where you had an event coming up, you were not really excited about it because you didn't know how it was going to go, could go bad, could go not so bad, could go okay, could go good, but not likely. I'm not thinking of anything specific, but I am. And you have this anxiety, and it's building up in your spirit, and you're nervous. At that moment, we should call out to God and receive the grace that He is offering us and say, God, I really need you now because there's going to be a train wreck of emotions and words if you don't show up in this situation. I need the King of Kings, I need the Holy Spirit of God to flood into my being to fill me with your power and your glory and the peace and the grace of knowing that no matter what happens, it's okay. That no matter what happens, I can endure this because the power of God will work through me. That no matter what happens, God, I'm not going and I'm not feeling anxiety because I don't care if I get glory. I just want you to have glory in everything that I do. We will start to walk in victory. We will start to see God shake this city with grace and love. We will see amazing things happen if we will trust Him with all of our being. We will see Him provide for every need that we have, emotionally, physically, spiritually, financially, whatever it may be, when we are trusting in God, He will supply every need that we have. And so I want to pray as we close here. I've written out a prayer, and I'm going to pray it. And if that happens to be your prayer, then... You don't have to say it out loud, but just listen and pray with me as I go through it. And let this lead your heart to trust God today, whether it be with salvation, whether it be with a, a big need that's coming up in your life, something that you're really stressed about, whatever it may be, may this prayer lead you to place your faith in your trust in God today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you now and we thank you so much that you are a God who provides. 
And so, Father, we come to you today and we give our needs to you now. Father, we trust you with everything we have. We trust you with our money. We trust you with our jobs, our relationships. Everything we have, Father, we give back to you right now. Use us. Use everything we have for your glory. May we desire Jesus to be exalted in everything we do. Thank you, Father, for giving us all that we need through Jesus today. We receive the peace that comes from knowing you. We trust in your grace. And we believe, God, that you will finish what you start. If that is your prayer, say amen. As we continue in worship, we want to give you an opportunity to respond to what God may be speaking to you right now in this moment. There's a few ways you could respond. There are benches up here um, that you can come and kneel at the altar before God. I'll be standing on this side uh, over here. Lindsay will be on the other side. If you would like to pray with one of us or have one of us pray with you, we'd be happy to do that. And of course, you can worship through song or through prayer right there where you're standing. But the important question that I want you to be thinking as we lead into this time of response is what do you need? We've just heard this sermon. We've heard this exhortation of this letter from Paul who says that God, the King of Kings, you heard in Psalms earlier, the one who owns the cattle on a thousand hills, who does not want for anything, has made his riches available to you in Christ Jesus. So the question then becomes, what do you need? Do you need freedom from sin? Do you need freedom from shame and guilt in your life? From sin that God has already freed you from? Do you need salvation? Do you need freedom from addiction? Do you need love, acceptance? Do you need God to destroy your pride? Ask God, what do I need? And then be humble enough to respond as he has called you. So as we sing this song in a moment after I pray, come and receive what you need from God. It's available today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are gracious to us and you are good beyond measure, beyond comprehension, beyond belief, beyond what we could ever deserve or imagine. You are good to us. Your mercies and your grace is an ocean. And Father, tonight there are many of us who have needs that are available. Give us courage and humility to step out into the water. To not be distracted by the waves, but to set our eyes on you founder and perfecter of our faith who offers freely to us all that we need. In Jesus' name we pray.
Amen. Let's stand and you respond how God is calling you as we sing.